Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to IndiePod, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week we're bringing you only two indie games news stories, but of course we also have our news cram segment, our new deals and quick steals, and some new stuff plus god bless the crowd and some random questions this is a like a rock block this is a i was about to say a cock block but that's not at all the no, same thing it's like what quite. i said i was cucking you earlier yep. definitely not the same thing no nope. what i was actually talking You're about very so. wrong no cock blocks no cucks all indie games that should exact, be our official I mean, tagline exactly no more taylor swift's uh like secret secret dirty little secret is yeah. what it was supposed to say uh now it's just like no cucks, no cock blocks, just indie games. <laughs> Put I that on the shirt. Everyone will love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a have our artist work on that design. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if she wants to do that one, but. <laughs> but before we get into any of that stuff, including T-shirt ideas that are definitely never going to happen, I'd like to introduce myself, Von Hyde, alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average just boys. How you doing, Corona? Like, you're in Coronaville over there, dude. I know. Guys, Florida, you get Florida's getting out. pretty scary. It was pretty scary when I was in Massachusetts for a little bit, and then I came back to Florida, and it's still scary. There's, uh, there's like, a curfew. There's uh, most there's of the- There's a curfew in Florida? I'm pretty sure. Maybe not. I think someone said that. Some, someone You're like, I don't leave the house anyway, so it I don't, yeah, There's nowhere for me to go. Uh, <laughs> no, my- I've been in self-imposed quarantine for the past 18 years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, pretty much. No, I got some email from, like, the complex of my apartment, and they were like, the trash people who come by are not going to be here, like, at the normal time because it's past curfew. And I was like, huh, didn't know there was one. <laughs> But, Don't you love seeing all of these different like apartment complexes emailing people to like stay safe, make sure you wash your cans. These are all the things that combat the coronavirus. BT dubs. Don't forget to pay your rent. It's due on the first. Mm-hmm. And you're like, thanks. In a world where people are self quarantining, in a large portion of the workforce cannot actually work from home, like myself. I'm glad you reminded me that I have to pay my rent still. It's nice. Dude, I'm so tired of all these emails that are like, here's what our company is doing to battle coronavirus. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't care, TurboTax. I don't need you right now. I've already done my taxes. <laughs> In what world do I care what you're doing to combat coronavirus? It's very, it's a very strange time. But I, like, I get it because every company is trying to be like, we're still relevant. Like, still give us money. But I don't know. It is what it is. It's just very strange because it it all started happening at once. But 
Yeah, it is kind of nice, though, to see that they're actually, like, kind of working on it. Like, Hot Topics have closed, but they're still paying their employees as if they were open. Oh, that's cool. I think that's pretty cool. Um, I saw, and this is just read, like, offhand because I barely read into the article, so take this with a grain of salt, but I believe it was on Polygon. Um, There was a report on supposedly some GameStops, which... I hate when people generalize and just say GameStops in general Mm -hmm. do this kind of stuff, but some GameStops, because they have different managers and they have just different, like, uh, they have different general managers as well, so standards are pretty lenient at some places and pretty dickish, but uh, Mm. apparently they were, like, forcing some employees to buy their own cleaning supplies. Damn. (laughs) And they refuse to give them any sort of, like, paid time off. But, I mean, my work, like, like I was telling you before the podcast, if somebody at my work gets coronavirus, we all have to go home for two weeks. Like, a week to two weeks, especially because of the jobs that we do. We do, like, vending and kind of, like, food service stuff. Mm-hmm. So, we can fuck people's shit up. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, I don't get any paid time off either. But I mean, it does suck. That does absolutely yeah. suck. And it's cool that some places are actually offering that. Right. It's a really weird time because that's kind of what I was thinking about. I'm lucky, like, I'm very fortunate to be in a position where I can do my job from home. And I specifically now got a job where I chose to do a job from home right when all of this happened. So it was very coincidental. But. There's a lot. I'm trying of- to think that Big Josh Boy released the coronavirus because <laughs> coincidentally, right then he got a job where he could wear from home. I knew it was happening. I saw the signs. I was like, I was like, I gotta get a new job where I could just work from home all the time, just in case. Uh, no, but like, I'm very fortunate in that matter. But one of the first things I thought about was like, man, what do people do in like the service industry? Like, there's just like nothing you can do. You can't, you can't work from home and cook a burger or like whatever. Like, I don't know. How would you do Dude, this? I- yeah, I run a coffee machine and I can't work from home. So luckily I have a little like nest egg built up because I might be an idiot in many ways, but my fiance has changed me to the point where I now save some money. Not That's all, good. but some money. Um, but luckily, yeah, I have a little nest egg built up just in case this kind of stuff happens. But yeah, this blow. Yeah, well, <laughs> hopefully this will blow over soon, and like all of this precaution, these precautions will actually be worth it for slowing it down and stopping the spread of it. But you never know with this kind of stuff; it's so volatile. Yeah, I I feel really selfish. Uh, I mean, I hope it I hope it blows over, kind of like this all kind. I hope the coronavirus subsides within the next month or so, just for people's overall well being. But also because my wedding is at the end of next month, Ooh, and damn. my fiance has been working hard on it. Um, I have not, so I just want her work to be recognized. Really, that's rough. So. Yeah, that's probably not gonna happen. Big Joshua, <laughs> rain on my wedding, <laughs> bitch. I didn't do it. Corona done rained. <laughs> Freaking Vin Diesel out here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Fast and Furious joke, by the way. Just to let everyone know who's listening to this, it was a very stupid Fast and the Furious joke. So, Big Josh Boy, speaking of Fast and the Furious, what have you been playing and or watching, that, doing? That makes no sense, but let's do it. <laughs> um, so, I've been playing Under Hero. Now, Under Hero is a game that it came out around 2017 early access for Steam. 
Um, it was developed by Paper Castle Games, but just about a month ago, they released it for the Switch. Um, and this is a game that I, I'd constantly looked at and been like, oh, I really want to get this. But when it was in early access, I was like, nah, I'll kind of wait. And then it just fell off my radar. Uh, I didn't even know it. I think it fully released in 2018. But I saw somewhere, someone did a review for it um, who works at Parallax Media. Um, he didn't do the review for Parallax, but he just he also does stuff for us there um and i i saw his review and i was like oh i wanted to check this out he liked it i was like oh maybe i should and he mentioned something about it coming to switch in like a few days and i was like oh that's perfect so i ended up picking it up um it's very very similar to a paper mario game so they 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 play into that very uh very closely not as much as like uh, bug fables did it's not like a carbon copy but there are a lot of mechanics there's a lot of little mini games there's a lot of platforming that feels very reminiscent of that same paper mario style and they even say in the description that it was clearly inspired by it as well as other rpgs the story of it is kind of interesting you basically are this evil minion who is part of this just giant organization of evil creatures that are controlled by someone named stitches and you're standing there one day and it's you and like two other evil minions and you're you're like a kid so you're not even really like in the ranks you're just like a low peon inside the evil organization and this hero comes and you start playing as the hero and he it's a hero who has a talking sword the hilt of the sword is talking and so he's running through and for some reason, I don't even think you actually did it, but a like lamp, uh, what is it? Not a candelabra. What am I trying to think of? The giant like chandelier, chandelier. So a giant chandelier just falls. Not a candelabra. I was like candles, lamps, something bigger though. Uh, so it just falls right on him, like for no reason, and crushes him and the other like evil guys who are about to fight him. And so you're just there, kind of in the midst of it. And you basically get recognized from that evil Stitches character as the one who killed the hero. But while this happens, the sword, the actual hilt of the sword, is left fine because it's a hilt of a sword. And so you pick it up as the evil little minion character and you're like, you know, kind of, who are you? Essentially, because it's a talking sword. The talking sword yells at you and is basically like, you're going to, you know, make this right. You killed my hero. Like, now you're on my side kind of a thing. So he, he kind of coerces you into being the hero and makes you become almost like a spy inside of your, or, your own evil organization. And the evil overlord, Stitches, trusts you now because you just killed the hero. And he gives you a bunch of tasks to go to these uh, different beings who he uh, controls and give them these powered stones that the, the hero had stolen from him. And it's basically just this giant story of you being like, all right, I'm just going to eventually screw you over, but I'm really supposed to be an evil person and I'm just doing this for all like the fame and recognition. Um, but aside from that like very weird story uh the actual gameplay to it is really i wouldn't say it's superbly polished but i do like the way that they've made this game from a platforming perspective and i really like that a lot of the characters have a very witty charm to them um 
certain characters, not so much, but I do like the sword hilt. I think that as you progress into the storyline, you start to actually bond more with the different characters that you pick up along the way. Um, combat, it's not my favorite. I, to be honest, got really frustrated at times with it because they have certain characters that can only be hit with certain uh, abilities that you have. So you have a sword, you have a, a slingshot, you have a hammer. And you can hit enemies with the sword or the the slingshot all the time, basically, um, at the start of the game. But then they're like, oh, these enemies can only be hit with a slingshot. These enemies can only be hit with a hammer. And so you have to figure it out. You have to, like, every time you get into combat, you have to talk to the enemies, and they'll sometimes give you hints about, you know, how to defeat them or how to go about the storyline uh, throughout, like, little puzzles that are hidden throughout the game. But the flying, like the the way you uh, try to hit things with the slingshot is so awful. It's just like the the actual movement for it with the joystick, I don't know, maybe it's different. It would obviously be different if you had a mouse and keyboard, but like with a controller, it just feels so awful. Um, Usually I just try to wait until the enemy, like usually it's like a bat or something and they're flying around. So you got to hit them. I just end up just leaving it where it is like the crosshairs and just waiting until it flies into the area. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to move this cause I'm just going to screw it up. Um, <laughs> but like other than combat, you know, that there is still some, uh, positives to it. I really enjoyed like the boss battles because those are a bit more in depth where it's not just you stand and you get stuck in place and fight one enemy and you do the same kind of like rock, paper, scissors of like the sword, the, uh, you know, parrying with a shield, like things like that. But instead, they'll have those mechanics, but then the boss will be like, oh, I'm doing some weird attack. And you'll have to like dodge it real time or you'll have to go. Uh, I just fought this one boss where I had to climb on a rope and basically throw these like spike bombs into his mouth, like to actually damage him uh, so that I could then go into his mouth and hit like a weak spot inside his body like it was so weird but it was interesting because it wasn't that same kind of combat that turn-based combat it then just randomly changed into like okay we're gonna play this weird mini game uh you know for the the different bosses and it, it kept it very engaging to that point where it's not like always that same combat style um in between there's a lot of little mini games that are really cool i like I said, I have had some frustrations with the combat specifically where there's just moments where I'm like, oh, this is so annoying. I just, it just does not click. But for the most part, the majority of the game, I've really liked it. I think the art style is a little bit, um, not really my style, so to speak. Um, It's very animated, but it just, like I said, doesn't seem like it's fully polished in certain ways. Um, I think that kind of goes to its charm of what it's trying to do, but it kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit but honestly i'm really enjoying it it was a cheap purchase i want to say it was like uh, like 15 bucks maybe something like that uh i'd have to look it up but anyway i'd still recommend it i i think that it's a lot of fun i'm gonna finish it um and see where it goes i've already gotten through most of the worlds uh from what i can tell but i'd recommend it like i said good game it looks kind of cool. Like, however you might not have enjoyed the art style, I guess, I actually think it looks really, really interesting. Yeah. It, I like the character designs, like Alexandria the Second or whatever, the gigantic moth looks yeah. so cool. Yeah. 
And I like the original design of like the hero, the one who dies. I really like that. He just looks like a kind of like a blank slate protagonist, like anime hero. But I do really like that. Yeah, well, I think it looks cool. You don't get to see much of him. <laughs> he dies yeah. pretty quick. In the game trailer, they show him getting squashed by that chandelier. So, yep. I think you mean seems con- like it's going to happen early on. I do think it's actually really cool though that the hilt of the this hilt can also be like morphed into the hammer as well as the sword. Yeah. And the sword reminds me a lot of like Hyperlight Drifter's sword, which is like this calcified light, mm-hmm. this like wrapped light. It just looks it's a very interesting aesthetic and I think it looks really, really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of positives to this game. You know, I'm I'm talking about like a few of the critiques that I had, but honestly, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I think the platforming is still really good. I think it does have areas to it that are a little clunky and, you know, a little bit of polish around the edges could have made it uh, a bit higher, but I still had a great time with it and I still recommend it for sure. Awesome. Awesome. So you're also playing Borderlands three. I want to ask real quick, what are you playing it on? I am playing it on steam, baby. It's oh, okay. Finally... I was honestly when you went, S-, I thought you were about to say Stadia, and I was like, no way. No, 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 no. No, it's finally available on Steam. I made that pack like six months ago that I was like, I'm not going to buy it on the Epic Game Store with all of my buddies, and it finally came out. So now we've been playing it every other night or so, um, going through the story, playing. It's um, it's not an indie game, so I won't talk too much about it. But Borderlands Three is it's pretty good, I think. For having it be six months out, there's still a lot of glitches and bugs that I'm like, man, this seems like something that could have been, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to overgeneralize those different, you know, pieces, but there's a lot of things that I'm getting like annoyed at from a buggy standpoint. Um, The combat though, there's a lot of like improvements. I think the combat is great. I think the character design is awesome. The different skill trees so far have been really... um, really heavy on variety of like how you can build your character. So I have enjoyed that part. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm playing the one character who just has like a pet with him. And I really like it because I have this move where it's like a monkey or something. Um, but I have this move where I target someone and I make them throw like a poison barrel. And for some reason, the poison barrel also will do damage to my allies. So I think it's really funny because it keeps killing one of my friends. Like it's always the same one. And I love it because every time he's always like, oh, this damn monkey he gets so mad. And I just it's it's great. Um, You're like, it's your fault. You should move out of the you way. Get, you know the monkey's going to beam you. He's throwing a poison barrel. Step out of the way. I mean, <laughs> it's basics. Just fantastic teamwork between you guys. Just great. Yeah. It's awesome. He's like the biggest troll ever. So anytime that I could piss him off, I'd love it. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I've been having a lot of fun with it. And it's really like, that's the thing. I don't think it's really as much Borderlands 3. It's just more like I have missed having one of these games with the core three people that I usually play games with. We haven't really played as much. And this is just bringing us back to actually get into something because from the perspective of like the story or the narrative of it, I've never really cared too much about it. There's some people who are always like, Oh, it's for babies or it's got like potty humor, which I don't care about. I think some of the the quips are funny in it, um, but I've just never cared too much about the story. I just like the gameplay and the, you know, co-op interaction of it. So I'm having a good time with it, um, but I'll keep it brief. Once I, once again, I said, you know, it's not an indie game, so I don't want to rattle off just too much about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can always talk about them. Can we? Can we? It's cool. It's cool. We're indie pod. 
come on, man. No cucks, no cock. good point. No cock blocks, just indie games. All right. <laughs> That's our tagline, damn it. Uh, so for me, what I've been playing is uh, a real indie game, bitch. <laughs> so I was too, so fuck you. <laughs> uh, I've been playing Forager by Hopfrog. Um, it's really interesting. It's it's kind of just like I don't want to say a survival game in any sense because it's not really about survival. It's just about gathering resources and um, like building up your town, kind of like building up your area because it's not necessarily a town. You get resources you build like crafting benches and then you can use those crafting benches to then uh as you level up get like new stuff um gain more gold and then you can buy more plots of land and that's kind of the rough gameplay loop Mm -hmm. um of it is to actually just kind of like gather resources level up and then buy new plots of land i enjoy it it's a it's a fun gameplay loop but it's not something that i really think i'll go back to that's a shame um mostly because like it's just not that interesting at one point i got to like so i got to this point where i just had nothing that i was building toward i was kind Mm -hmm. of just trying to like trying to gather resources so that i could level up Mm -hmm. so that then i could possibly build something new but until then it was just kind of like a standstill versus games that do this kind of stuff much better i would say are like uh like arc survival evolved there's always something to build toward even if it's just like you're about to get that blueprint you get to see all of the blueprints and you're like hey this is what I want to build toward. I need these like certain materials to build it versus in Forager, you don't actually get to see the branching skills until you unlock a certain skill. Mm. So like if I want, uh, you start out with like four different ones that are kind of like, oh, this one's for farming. This one is for like the economy. This one's for magic. And this one is for like smithing. And then it goes, uh, it branches off from there. But each time that you get a new skill, it opens up like two, uh, one to two new other skills from that that kind of like, so if you do the, like the economy one, it automatically gives you 40 gold, which allows you to buy a new plot of land, which opens up like new resources and stuff that you can get. Mm -hmm. So once uh, you do that, then it also offers you like uh, the ability to sell items and a vault to hold some of your stuff and to like hold your gold and stuff like that. Like it's, it's constantly, it technically does show you the two new skills, but until I get those skills, I have like nothing to build toward. I have, it doesn't tell you how to build them. It just tells you you're going to get the ability. So when I found out that like, it's like, Oh, you can make leather. And I'm like, sweet. I would like to know what leather is made out of so that I could actually stock up and actually make something. But instead, yeah, I mean, instead I'm fairly certain that the, that the actual components to craft leather do not show up until I gain the ability to make leather. Mm. That's a shame. Cause this is a game that, uh, I've actually been interesting and is interesting. I've been interested in, and has been on my radar for quite some time, but it was one of those things where I was a little bit nervous because games to this caliber, I usually, I usually have fun with for the first like hour or so and then I drop off because I just can't get into that loop. It can't like really grab me. And if they don't have a good progression system, you know, to, to keep you interested and to have that like 
have that carrot dangling in your face of like, hey, come on, get it. Like, then I don't know if I would actually play more than the same of an hour or two. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of, for the most part, how I felt. It was about like an hour, Mm. hour and a half, two hours kind of a thing. Mm. And at the end of it, I was like, honestly, I don't care enough about this game to want to like wait for more gold to spawn or gold ore to spawn that I can then make into gold bars, which I can then make into coins, which allows me to buy new plots of land. Um, so that's like the rough gameplay loop is just not interesting enough. Plus the combat is super boring. Mm. Like you just swing your pickaxe. You don't get new weapons or anything. You just swing your pickaxe. As far as I got, the promotional materials and stuff like that showed swords, but I haven't got that yet. Gotcha. Um, so I, I, Maybe it gets more interesting later on, yeah. but so far it's it's really not. Um, something that I found that was kind of just like not good and not bad is, and a lot of games don't have this, but I wish they did, is there's no option to adjust the screen size to match your TV. So when I went to go play, there was a lot of the UI that was actually outside of my, Ooh. like outside of what's visible on my TV. That sucks. And adjusting the setting in my ps4 didn't really change that Hmm. so that was super annoying um i've gone here on here that uh i do think it's actually kind of cool that skills are more bay are more about the environment and not about you so like for the most part it's like uh you'd get a skill that would allow you to then farm wheat so then wheat would start showing up i do think that's actually kind of cool instead of uh your standard kind of like what you would get from an rpg or like what you'd standard what's normal in like leveling systems where you actually beef up your own character instead in this you kind of beef up the environment i thought that was really cool Mm -hmm. um there's no description of what items do when crafting so like there's a jar and i just have to guess what that jar does i don't know why i should craft it turns out it like it says it's a consumable or that it's a like a crafting like an agent but i have no idea it said it was a material i believe a crafting material but i don't know what it's used for Hmm. or like how to use it in general Mm -hmm. so until i eventually unlock the means at which to use this like jar which you then catch like basically torch bugs with but i don't know what to do with those Mm -hmm. so i have no reason to actually do it it's kind of weird and i i think honestly kind of counterintuitive because why would i do it if i have no reason to Mm -hmm. um uh the controls are somewhat annoying you can't aim that well on ps4 so uh, you move around using the left analog stick and then the right analog stick, you kind of, you don't actually aim with it. It's used to roll. So mm. when I tried to aim for specific items, I would often end up accidentally destroying my own stuff or hitting something that I didn't mean to. And it got super aggravating. I ended up like destroying my traps like several times. It was super annoying. <laughs> um you are at the mercy of whatever spawns. So instead of like something like arc where arc, you know, on your beach, they're going to be like, okay, trees are going to spawn here. I know it's a certain kind of tree. I know that a certain kind of stone spawns here. Instead, I just constantly get like whatever might spawn. I'm like, I need gold, but I don't know if it'll ever spawn honestly, or like I need slime, but I don't know if it'll ever spawn. Um, 
it's kind of like you're at the mercy of this algorithm and it's sometimes really frustrating when i have to wait like for i would say the majority of my time i was just waiting to actually like this is when the two things coincide where not knowing what something does kind of makes you not want to go for it because why would I wait to get the materials to make glass which is like sand and coal I believe mm -hmm. why would I wait to get sand because it takes a while to get sand to make glass to then make a jar I don't know what the jar does mm -hmm. what's the point so it just it kind of graded on me a lot of the, there were like a few things that could really make this game a lot better um i uh the more you harvest the more items spawn i thought that was kind of cool so all you had to do was keep harvesting and then things would spawn in of course anything could spawn so whatever but <laughs> you knew that you could get more stuff to spawn um i did get kind of a i the game kind of bricked so I uh, I went to go into my skill screen and then I tried to cancel out of it because I didn't mean to and the game just got stuck on a black screen and I couldn't get it off. Damn. And I couldn't access the like start menu to try to exit. So I just had to like restart the game. Um, I have on here that I accidentally killed a radish baby. Fuck him. Because I didn't know what it did. Radish babies I was just like, need oh. to die. There's this radish baby. I wonder what happens if I hit it. And then I killed it. And I took his radishes. And then its mom was like, I still love you speaking to me. And I was like, I just murdered your child. I don't know. Maybe you guys have You're a long a history together. Mother. Literally met that person like five seconds ago. So talking radish. It's fucking weird. You don't know how radishes um, work. <laughs> I think the different sound effects actually help you keep track. And it's really interesting. So you have your like kind of whatever pickaxe sound. It just sounds like kick, kick, kick whatever it doesn't matter but then when like something pops up in your fishing traps then it makes a certain noise that i then know to go check my fishing traps mm. so i like that that aided me in uh in kind of keeping track of all the stuff that was spawning on my island because at times like shitload of stuff would spawn and the uh the like entire screen would be filled with different materials and i didn't like i wouldn't know how to get over there or i wouldn't want to spend the time getting over there or like there would be a slime that I couldn't hit because there's no aiming. It's really annoying. Um, <laughs> I said hard to see items from certain angles because it is like an isometric view. Right. Um, so certain things would be like behind a tree and I just couldn't see it. So I'm like, this could be a radish baby. I don't know. And I just fucking kill it. Um, Why not? And then the last thing I have on here is uh, nothing to build toward between levels. So yeah, that's a that's, shame. Yeah, I've... overall, it is, like, a fun game. Um, and if you can find it cheap, I would recommend just kind of, like, checking it out to see if it's your style. Because it is, like, I do enjoy that it is actually kind of, like, calming. Mm. Like, the loop is fun and it's calm. I don't have to worry about dying as much. But um, another instance of not knowing what something did is that the first thing in the magic, like, skills that you could get is, like, you get the ability to like collect fairies doesn't tell you what that does <laughs> just that there's fairies so i had to like think to myself how could i get my health back maybe a fairy maybe magic and it turned out yes that is how it's done See? But it would have been much like it would have been a like if it just told me in that skill fairies can heal you or just any sort of like 
lore or anything like that. Like any anything kind of like a lore tab about fucking fairies in this world that would give me a hint that a fairy would heal me. Literally just anything would be much nicer than what it had. But don't you feel so smart to have figured it out on your own? No, because <laughs> if it didn't work, I would have wasted a skill point. No. And then I would have had to wait until I level up again. <laughs> All right. Well, fuck them. And the other thing I did, which we don't often talk about what we watched, other than when I talk about Log Horizon or other anime. It's true. Um, I watched a video game documentary called Not For Resale. Mm. It's actually about kind of like independent game stores, like mom and pop shops. It's interesting, uh, but while listening to this week's episode of the No Clip podcast, uh, it was between I think Cloth Map and No Clip, so it was two different like kind of video game documentarians like talking about this with Danny O'Dwyer, and I don't believe I don't know the actual like documentarian within uh, Cloth Map, but still mm. they were kind of talking about how. Their documentaries, they try to make sure that they have an arc, kind of like a story to follow. Mm -hmm. That's my biggest issue with Not For Resale is that it doesn't actually have that. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's just kind of like a mass of information about these like mom and pop shops and how they do most of their business in pre-owned objects and stuff like that. Like new isn't a big part of their business and kind of like how digital is in a way like putting them out of business and how they don't like they just shove so much information down your throat that I kind of wish it just had any sort of direction because literally like at multiple different times in this documentary it would bring up stuff that it did like it just it was kind of disorganized I guess is my big criticism of it is that normally you'd be like it would kind of like it would be like ebbs and flows in the beginning it would be like here's the setup this is these are the people that we're following this is their business and then it would be like how's your business going what are your hardships that kind of stuff like it would actually have this flow but instead at any time anybody could say something and then it would like you could be talking about like digital currency and then the next thing it goes to like psionics talking about how great it was to only publish digitally at first but then they did physical copies and i'm like weren't we just talking about digital currency Mm -hmm. like what it just kind of like it's it's just really disorganized Mm -hmm. but i did enjoy it it was a good watch but uh, it's not my favorite documentary, gotcha. I guess, is what I'd say. Like, I really love Indie Game the Movie because it does a really good job actually tracking this and telling a story in a large arc of these different teams as they go through and make their game, which I guess it's much easier to do that with these, like, smaller indie game devs because they can follow it from, like, just after conception yeah. or, like, while they while they kind of start development to the end. Versus this, a lot of these game stores were open long before this documentary began shooting. So it's much different. There's also, like, they would barely focus on some people. There's literally a guy that shows up in the beginning of the documentary that you don't see until the end. And he's, like, he owns a video game store. He shows up and he's like... Yeah, it's hard to be like a store owner of a pre-owned video game store owner and then doesn't show up again until the end. (laughs) And then he's just smiling. He's just there in like B-roll with voiceover. Clearly he had nothing good to say that they wanted to keep other than that. 
Honestly, I think it's because of the way this guy looked, which is the weirdest thing to say. And this is just me kind of reading into it. But he was the only one who fell into this stereotypical, like, dirty gamer kind of a thing. Like, and this is going to sound bad, but he had, like, black teeth for the most part. Mm. And I was like, I wonder if that's why. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. They just didn't want to, like, kind of spread this, like, stereotype of gamers. Maybe. I mean, we'll never know. No one can ever know. Plus, it's definitely not an unbiased documentary, by the way. Oh. It does. It's it's absolutely leans toward the benefits of having these stores open. Like, at times, it talks about how, like, the the indie game marketplace wouldn't be a thing without digital sales because they don't have the money or publishing partners right. to per, like to always publish physically but it really is very heavy-handed in the pro mom and pop shops which i absolutely understand but i don't know it's it's kind of like in my documentaries i normally like them to tell a story and not necessarily take a side yeah you yeah, know what yeah, i mean yeah. i get you like they show the merits from both sides mm-hmm. and then leave it up to you to like kind of may, uh, come to your own conclusion versus them like being super ham-fisted and shoving it down your throat that you should shop at your mom and pop shop <laughs> yeah you can't do it now anyway i mean yeah they're all closed due to the coronavirus mm-hmm. so everybody's out of a job whatever everybody good way to end that um, have have you watched Not for Resale or no, I are you kind I, of like looking into it? I haven't seen it uh, before this. Um, it's something I'm a little upset that it was a less than you know glowing review, but uh, I'm still I mean, interested. It seems in checking like it some out. people do enjoy it. I think this might just be me being nitpicky, but I'm just letting you know that it is very disorganized. That's yeah. my biggest issue with it. Yeah, is that it just is kind of everywhere. I don't think that would that would bother me too much though, as long as like the content itself is good. Um, I don't know. I I definitely want to check it out actually because I hadn't heard of it before this, but I can see this being interesting especially playing into how digital has changed kind of the world before but um and it's they rarely talk about it just letting oh well that's upsetting it's not a large part that's what i mean like the thing it it's obvious they don't explicitly say support your mom and grop shops but what they do say is very little about the merits of digital purchases and at times like of course these store owners are just talking shit about digital games <laughs> i mean so like yeah. i i kind of wish that they talked more about the merits of the digital marketplace other than like how it behooves like independent developers but yeah i i don't think it's a bad watch actually especially for like six bucks i watched it on amazon prime i rented it on there it's it's definitely not bad for that amount and it's like a two and a half hour documentary so there is quite a bit of information in it but it's mostly from like i i don't know it's mostly from like a store owner point of view gotcha well it's still good to have some perspective on it yeah i mean i worked at a GameStop, so i pretty much knew everything that they were talking about for the most part wow you're so cool man (laughs) i know dude what's it like to be you they actually only reference GameStop like once Damn. in the entire thing. And it's at the end when they're talking about how like stores are closing. Mm. They talk about how some of these stores that they reported on like within this documentary, which the one that closed, they literally like 
had one person. I, I they barely showed gotcha. really. Mm-hmm. Like it's not that heavily featured. Like at once they were like this store closed. I was like, I gotta be honest. I don't even know which one that is. Mm-hmm. It was that. Like two of them end up like closing in the end. It's pretty crazy, but yeah. It's it's a good documentary. I would watch it if you guys are into like gaming stuff. Just be prepared for it to kind of like be everywhere. Sounds for the good. Most part. Um, let's hop into our main news stories now that we are forty minutes into this podcast. Our first news story is over on IGN. It is written by Adam Bankhurst, and it is twenty two games featured in March seventeenth Nintendo Indie World Showcase. So. This, I'm kind of just going to go over really quickly. Um, Josh and I are, uh, well, I'm going to list the titles that were in this. And then Josh and I are going to kind of pick out a few that we thought uh, were really good. This kind of goes into uh, Chris Penwell's question that we have later on. He asks, uh, what were your highlights from the Indie Direct and what games do you think need work? Uh, We can pretty much answer that one right now Mm -hmm. since we are going to be talking about this anyway. So, Let's hop into it. Uh, we've got Blue Fire, which is from Gaffiti. What the? <laughs> God damn it. Graffiti. I think the coronavirus is getting in my brain, dude. It's, uh, uh, it's from a... Just go. Gra- <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Graffiti Games and Argentina-based Robbie Studios embark on a journey through a long-forgotten land. Uh, Blue Fire features 3D platforming challenges in a strange place called The Void. Uh, it launches. It will launch first on Nintendo Switch in summer 2020. Uh, then we've got Baldo, which is from Naps Team in um, Messina. Messina. Messina? Maybe Messina. Okay. Oh, Messina, Italy. Okay. Um, Baldo looks to take inspiration from action-adventure RPGs and Japanese anime. Uh, it takes place in a magical world with dungeons and puzzles to solve. It features an art style that reminds a bit of Nino Kuni and uh, will be released as a timed console exclusive in summer 2020. So I'm assuming they mean, like, on the Nintendo Switch, it's a timed exclusive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in in this uh, the indie showcase, there was actually a lot of games that were console exclusives to Switch. Oh, okay, cool. Just to let you guys know, I didn't actually watch it. I generally don't watch like this kind of stuff. I just look at this stuff afterwards because there's a lot of filler in it. Um, but now that I might have a little bit more time. I will actually, like, make sure I watch these. And, of course, I do a fucking Indie Games podcast, so I need to make sure I watch these. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Next, we have I Am Dead from Annapurna Interactive. Uh, Richard Hogg and Hollow Ponds takes a... Yeah, and Hollow Ponds uh, takes place on a small island in the North Atlantic called Shilmerton. Shilmerton. Okay, Shelmerston, whatever that is. Uh, One that has a long, strange history. The island is filled with both people and anthropomorphic animals. uh, And you play a museum owner who has died and needs to use the powers of his new predicament to unravel the mystery of Shelmerston. I Am Dead will launch as a timed exclusive in 2020. Not not making it easy for you. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Uh, then we've got Bark, which is just B.Arc. It's Bio Interstellar Arc Bark. Okay. God damn it. Super cool. Uh, this is developed by TikTok Games. Uh, Bark, 
is a 2D side-scrolling co-op space shooter uh, that has you play as one of a four furry. No, that ferocious. actually is ferocious. I thought I was gonna say furriest. I was like, ooh, or like furriest, kind of do a little like little little cat pun. Mm, you know what I mean? They're dogs though. That would be weird. But one of them's a cat. Mm, yeah, there's a cat in that green spaceship right there. In the picture, oh, that's a fucking cat. No, get that out of there. You're supposed to be <laughs> doggies. Um, uh, one of four ferocious oh, animal astronauts trying <laughs> try to liberate the Earth from crazy robots. Uh, Bark will be releasing on the Nintendo Switch as a timed exclusive in 2020. Then we've got Cyanide and Happiness Freak Apocalypse uh, <laughs> from um, from Expulsum? Explosum. Oh, Explosum Games and Serenity Forge. This new game takes place in a post-apocalyptic world that destroyed everything and left everyone horribly mutated. So the world destroyed the world? Yeah, everything. Okay, okay. Uh, Players will be tasked with solving puzzles and uh, surviving in what's left of the world. Cyanide and Happiness Freak Apocalypse will launch first on the Nintendo Switch in summer 2020. Then we have Summer in Mara, which we have actually had in our God Bless the Crowd segment uh, quite a while ago. I honestly can't remember. Yeah, but (laughs) it's been some time. And it's interesting because this is one of the ones that was Nintendo Switch timed exclusive. And I think we also talked about that because I don't remember it being like an immediate thing they discussed in the actual um, Kickstarter itself. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they didn't actually say that, how it'll go off with like how this is, how that news has come to the like Kickstarter people. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're like being part of like the backers. It was probably already communicated to them. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably an update given like how you can always give a dollar and get, constant updates and shit like that yeah, be part of the cool kids club um this is from spanish-based Chibig. summer in mara is a uh, tropical adventure that tells the story of koa and is a tale all about growing up and protecting nature she has to leave her home and discover the secrets that are kept by the ocean koa will need to farm and take care of her own island while also traveling by boat to 30 islands and helping more than 20 characters along the way summer in mara will be available as a nintendo switch timed exclusive in summer 2020 now we've got Quantum League uh, from Argentinian-based Nibble Giant Entertainment. Um, Quantum League is a time paradox first-person shooter that has players teaming up with their past selves in 1v1 and 2v2 matches. In each round, players will automatically create clones that will echo your past actions. You must work together with your past selves to trick and outmaneuver your enemies. Quantum League will be available in late 2020. That sounds pretty fucking cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second because it's one of my ones that I wanted to discuss. Jesus Christ, there's a lot of these. I okay. know, this is going to take a long time if we're reading every single one. <laughs> Man, yeah, this is kind of getting me. Okay, so we've got uh, The Good Life, which we have also talked about yep. in God Bless the Crowd. Um, this is from Swurry and White Owls, Inc. Uh, the Good Life 
puts players in the shoes of a journalist from New York that is sent to research Rainy Woods, the world's happiest town in the English countryside. However, on full moon nights, the inhabitants of Rainy Woods turn into dogs and cats. The Good Life is a debt repayment RPG that will have players turning into dogs and cats and solving a murder in a unique, uh, in yeah, in a unique titles. What? Has solving a murder in a unique titles. Headed to the Nintendo Switch in yeah, 2020. That doesn't make sense to me either. <laughs> okay, that's just a typo. All right, I'm just making sure I'm, I wasn't an idiot that time. Every other <laughs> time is pretty much me. Also, she's riding a fucking sheep. Yeah. What? Yeah, that's part. Of, that was one of the things in the video. They were like, and like, how cool is it that your main form of transportation is riding on sheep? It sounds like she's just crushing sheep, dude. Mm-hmm. Like they can't really support a human's weight. I mean, this one can. This is a super sheep. All right, that's a good point. I don't know that sheep's life. I don't know if it's been lifting, dude. It's just vibing over there. I'm trying to shit on it. Um, then we've got The Last Campfire from No Man's Sky developer Hello Games. Uh, the Last Campfire has players discover a beautiful wilderness filled with lost folk, strange creatures, and mysterious ruins. The Last Campfire starts or stars Ember. What? Oh, okay, yeah, Stars Ember, who is lost and must traverse in a world to light the titular Last Campfire and find his way home. The Last Campfire will launch on Nintendo Switch in summer 2020. We've actually talked about that one, too, when it was first announced. I feel kind of cool that we have, like, gone... We've gone far enough in this podcast to where things are coming full circle and we're seeing the announcement and the actual, like, release of the games. Yeah, it is interesting to see all these. It's also kind of depressing because... Watching this, I was like, well, there wasn't much new. But, like, it's just because we've kept up with a lot of stuff. Oh, my God, dude. Okay, I'm not going to read all these. Jesus Christ, this is a lot. There's a ton. I was like, oh, man, Pixel Junk Eden 2. That must be close to the end of it. I started scrolling down. There's, like, six more, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, So, yeah. There's a ton. We've got Pixel Junk Eden 2 from Cube Games. Um, Yep, that's as much as I'm going to read on that one, with the exception of it will be available on summer 2020. Looks real trippy. Um, Feria? Is that how you say that one? Yeah, Feria. It's a card game. Okay, Feria from... Really? Yeah. Is that your favorite one? No, um, but this is the... These are the people who made that one game, Rogue Book, that I ended up backing on Kickstarter. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so this was actually recently free on the Epic Game Store, but they're just releasing it now to the Nintendo Switch. Interesting. Okay. Um, that's from Arbicum? S-A? <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like Arbracum. Okay. Arbracum? Arbracum? Okay, it uh, it launches later in uh, March 2020. Then we've got Eldest Souls uh, from Fallen Flag Studio. That will launch as a timed exclusive on the Nintendo Switch in summer 2020. Then we got Blair Witch uh, heading to the Nintendo Switch um, in summer 2020 after releasing on other platforms in 2019 uh ghost of a tale from seth cg seeth cg seeth seeth yeah i think seeth cg something like that when does this one even come out i don't think it actually says a courageous mouse is a minstrel um yeah, I have no idea. That know. one's interesting. Uh, then we've got Sky Children of Light from Journey Developer, that game company. Uh, it is coming to the Nintendo Switch in summer 2020. We've got Sky Racket from Double Dash Studios. Is, uh, 
getting a release on the Nintendo Switch later today. So that was actually, it should already be on the Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. by the time of this recording. Uh, then we've got Super Liminal, Great which game. we've actually talked about as well, uh, from Pillow Castle. They are headed to the Nintendo Switch on in summer of 2020. Uh, Wingspan from Monster Couch is headed to the Nintendo Switch in spring 2020. Dicey Dungeons, which we've talked about from uh, Distractionware Limited. I think so, yeah. Um, is slated for release in late 2020. Bounty Battle uh, from Dark Screen Games is headed to the Nintendo Switch in summer 2020, moving out by SMG Studios slash DVM Games. Uh, that one's headed to the Nintendo Switch on April 28th. Uh, and a free demo is available now on the Nintendo eShop. And lastly, we've got Enter the... Uh, not Enter. Exit the Gungeon mm-hmm. by Dodge Roll and Single Core Games. Uh, this is... Uh, was released in 2019 and will be available on the Nintendo Switch store later today. So that one's actually already on the Nintendo Switch. So what are your favorites in this uh, indie game showcase? So, uh, my favorites, let's just see here. I had a thing of notes. So, the ones, so obviously there's um, a lot here and it's hard to showcase all of them. Um, the first one that I thought was interesting that I, I don't know if I'll really check out, but I just really like the I Am Dead game because it was such a weird concept that you play as a dead person, but like overseeing the world around you and trying to creep up on people and basically look at everyone and solve puzzles or mysteries um that one's more of just like a i want to keep my radar uh set to that just to see what it looks like when it comes out because it's kind of interesting i don't know how it's going to pan out could be you know a flop could be something really cool just kind of interesting to me uh the second one that i got super excited for was bark uh, I, <laughs> You're like, but now that I but know now it has that, a cat in yeah, it, now I'm that out. it's got a cat, I don't know. I'm kind of like lukewarm on it. No, it <laughs> it looks super cool, dude. This is an awesome game for couch co-op. It looks so fun. Um, I'm a big fan of games that have that style of the the shmups, like from like a side perspective of I think it was like See, Gradius. Um, I also like them. I just don't like their movement. How it feels so like kind of like like weightless Mm -hmm. they just kind of like slide across the screen i've never had one that has felt really really good Mm, maybe this could be the one bark is uh you know it's got all the it's got all the pups maybe one dumb cat i mean and one cat (laughs) but i I like the fact that like all of these different characters they said in the trailer that they all have their unique abilities and play style so i'm assuming it'll probably be something to the nature that you're saying of like one feels a little different. Maybe one will be a heavier ship, whereas one will be a lighter one, but it'll do different damage or it'll have different abilities. I might just be talking it up and it has more, I'm giving it more customization than it has, but they mentioned something about that in the trailer. So I'm interested to see what it's like, especially now that we're kind of getting quarantined everywhere. I think couch co-op games are games that you can play like, you know, multiplayer. I'm hoping to an online perspective. Uh, it definitely intrigues me. Um, and then too bad we weren't in quarantine in late 2020 or you can play it i mean you never know it could be a thing that keeps going anyway uh freak apocalypse is the third one i love cyanide and happiness it seems very close to something 
like the South Park games that have come out, which that's what I was thinking. Yeah, which honestly they're more for like the comedy or the storytelling, which I'm fine with. I don't mind it too much because Cyanide and Happiness have a sense of humor that is really spot on with mine. Um, so I'm down for it. Anything that they're gonna put out, I'm okay with. And even if it was something that's more you know story based and not as much like action packed, that's you know that's okay too. I'm down with it. Um, the last one I'll talk about that I'm excited for is The Good Life. Um, this has always been something that really? I... Really? Yeah. This <laughs> Honestly, because this is something that I still have no idea what is going on with this. This is another one that I just really want to watch because it's so odd that they're doing this like mystery town where at night everyone turns into a dog or a cat and you're like solving a murder mystery, but also have this strange Animal Crossing mechanic in it where you're like paying off your debt so i think there's just a lot going on in it and i just want to know more about it i want to actually get my hands on it um that being said to answer uh chris's question what needs work uh one i think the good life because i still think it looks kind of like rough around the edges um but the main one that i'll talk about is quantum league oh man i was really hoping you weren't gonna say that. so quantum league looks so Quantum League, in its concept, sounds really unique and super cool, and I think there's a lot that could, you know, happen as far as strategy and watching that game or playing that game to have a fun time in it. But man, does it look like a generic, like, CSGO shooter, just very basic. The detail of it is just so washed down. I think that the style that they have does not depict how cool of an idea that they have. And I wish there was a little bit more into that. Granted, we didn't get too much. So maybe, you know, there are changes coming. I can't remember exactly when they said, let me scroll up and see. Um, so late 2020. So there's still time to make changes, but like looking at some of the screenshots from it, it just seems very generic, um, which was upsetting because I think that, like I said, the concept behind it could be something that is just super cool to watch and super cool to play. For me, uh, the games that I personally think look really, really good um, would be, I think Blue Fire actually does look really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, however much like we were kind of talking about before the podcast, I believe, about like how you, what was your complaint about it? You just didn't like the way that it moved? No, so... <sighs> I think it's just me getting kind of tired of a lot of these open world adventure games uh, to this sort. The The platforming you mentioned does look cool, and I like the, the dash effect to it, but this just feels like a long list of games that I have on a backlog or that I've played before, and it just, for me, doesn't show anything that I'm like, this screams I need to try it or you know it's got something that's super different that makes it appealing in that sense so I think it would be a fun game I don't get me wrong I think it looks cool I just don't think it adds anything that's gonna really grab me yeah I guess to your point one of my favorite things about it is that it actually looks a lot like kind of a more I like a more colorful and like vibrant necropolis Mm -hmm. I I always really enjoyed Necropolis, but it's much darker. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And this game looks much more like, and its combat is like Souls-like, which can really like grade on you. Yeah. Versus this looks much more fast-paced, much more fun, and has a lot more color that I really enjoy. Um, next, I want to talk about, of course, Cyanide and Happiness Freak Apocalypse looks great. I also really enjoy like a lot of this stuff. Uh, not, I don't want to say a lot of the stuff they do because I don't know the majority of it. I just see their comics like offhand. Mm-hmm. So, and I think they're really hilarious. So that one I'm excited about, but I don't want to talk too much about because I mostly want to talk about eldest souls. I think mm. looks very, very cool. Um, I've been on kind of this souls like kick recently where I've been playing dark souls three and I'm going to be playing dark souls two afterwards. I'm kind of like, we're playing them in reverse order Hmm. pretty much because they're ridiculously hard to find the remasters on PlayStation four. So I'll just go fuck myself with that one. But uh, especially now that like everything's closing down, there's no way I'm going to get it and I'm not going to buy it fucking digitally for 60 bucks. So it's the struggle. Nah, (laughs) <laughs> but uh Eldest Souls looks really really cool. I I really like the um I really like the art style. Of course, it's pixel art naturally has to be. Yep. Um I think the combat looks really cool and I I just think it looks awesome, honestly. Like I I don't know right now how it's going to feel. Um I don't know if I'll even like it and it's... its approach to this kind of like more difficult combat form. Yeah. But right now that's pretty much my favorite of the uh of the games that we talked about here today other than um i think bounty battle looks really cool (laughs) i really like the idea it kind of reminds me of indie pogo yeah which is just like this fighting game of indie create oh like of indie games i think that's a just a really cool and novel idea even though it's obviously been done before like i said with indie pogo yeah i thought that was super cool but watching the actual combat i wasn't too into it i don't think it's as well off as some of the more known fighting games out there so it it has its like novelty but i don't think it's really going to stick um the point i wanted to mention before that though was it's so funny to me that you complain all the time about being bad at games but you literally play the hardest games all the time like (laughs) why do you do this to to me over the weekend (laughs) somebody i forget who it was but over the weekend they were like uh oh it was my friend avery who um I was telling him about how much I'm playing, how much I really enjoy playing Dark Souls 3 right now. And he was like, on your podcast, you constantly talk about how shit you are at video games, but you're playing fucking Dark Souls. What's wrong with you? And I was like, they just, okay, Souls-like games have a specific feel to them. Mm -hmm. They get the small things so right and so wrong at the same time. Like, the wrong stuff bothers the fucking shit out of me. (laughs) I hate it so much. But the things they get right are so awesome. Like, and I know this is gonna sound like a really, really small detail for me to love so much, but I love that when you use a shield, if a large enemy hits you, it knocks you back in kind of an anime-esque fashion where you get hit back and you slide back on the ground while still standing in the shield position. It's so fucking cool, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry that I think that's so awesome, but it is. It's so cool. Um, I also almost forgot to actually mention that The Last Campfire actually looks really cool. Yeah, And I, I do really enjoy the team at Hello Games. I love this art style. I believe The Last Campfire is actually only developed 
by some of the people that work at Hello Teams, uh, Hello Games. It's like a small team within mm-hmm. Hello Games. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say that um, it's not by like the full team that we know from like No Man's Sky. So I don't know if I'm trying to say be prepared for that. It's kind of just like a smaller experience, obviously. Right. So. Right. But the game that I think needs the most work, and this is probably, like, the most nitpicky thing, but is honestly Baldo. I just, the anime, like, this this art style is so close to, like, Nino Kuni, but so far away at the same time, to the point where it's actually kind of, like, it bothers me <laughs> that it's just so close. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's like a, having a word on the tip of your tongue or like saying the wrong word but technically means the right thing but you can't think of the word that you were trying to say. Right. So it's just like it's constantly like bothering you. You're like, I was so close. I just want to get it across. I want to say what I initially wanted to say. <laughs> and that's the feeling I get from this where it's like it seems like they wanted to be Nino Kuni. They wanted to be that art style. But couldn't quite get there. Right. And I think a little bit of polish would actually take this game like a really long way. Because I said this before the podcast. I think that people look like dolls <laughs> instead of just animated people. And that really bothers me. But I don't know. You and those nitpicky things. Dude, I know. I'm sorry that I'm so nitpicky. I understand <laughs> that okay, it's really man. petty. That's the whole thing. But that's just you play what you like. That's the whole point. That's just who I am, dude. Yeah. I'm so petty. And I love the small things about games. If there's a small thing that I that I find just honestly kind of like attractive, yeah, I... you'll play an incredibly hard game just because of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, so it's time to move on to our next and last news story for today. This is written by Patricia Hernandez. It's over on Polygon. It is Dev Reveals the Many Ways Their Tough Game Secretly Helps the Player. So this is kind of all based on a thread that Matt or Maddie Thornson from uh, Matt Makes Games or, and I honestly fucking forget mm-hmm. what their damn new studio is called. What did they change that to? Oh, um, it's like pretty good games or something like that. Yeah, Matt makes games. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, do 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 do. Holding music until Vaughn can find it. Can he find it? We'll <laughs> it's really throw me off that you're doing that. <laughs> never oh, it's it. extremely okay games. He found it. The world <laughs> rejoices. So, um, by the way, I forgot to say one thing about uh, Borderlands Three. There's a character named Vaughn in it, and God, is he awful. <laughs> That it often throws people off because he was in Tales from the Borderlands as well. Yeah. And he's like deceptively buff and it really bothers uh, the main character. I forget what his name is. But yeah, that throws people off often when I say my name is Vaughn and they're like, like from Tales from the Borderlands. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Now he's just this crazy guy in a cape in his underwear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've heard he goes off the deep end like most people in Borderlands. Uh, So. This is all based on a tweet thread from Matt Thornson, and he talks about how Celeste actually, in a way, helps you. However much this game is actually difficult, it does a few things to help you that he feels actually makes Celeste kind of unique and feel like kind of like that that uh, that port in a storm. He says, uh, 
what was it? Thornson clarified that they did not invent any of these techniques, but having them all together in a single game certainly helps give Celeste a unique feel, even amongst a sea of other platformers. So there are a few things they have in here, like what is known as coyote time, I guess, mm -hmm. which is where you can still jump uh, for a short time after you leave a ledge, which is actually quite nice now that I think about it. A lot of these are actually about kind of like not having to have these really precise movements, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is a little bit odd, especially coming from Celeste, which is known for having precise movements. Right. So unless you actually like knew to look for these things, you would never have known. Yeah. That like about like coyote time or the jump corner correction or the dash corner correction. I think it's so, super cool. Yeah. I was about to ask, how do you, how do you feel about this now knowing it? Did you ever notice it before? I didn't really notice it too much, uh, to be honest. It's one of those things where sometimes, like, I think there were some cases where certain things would happen that I was like, oh, I don't think I should have made that. But I just kind of was like, who cares? I did it. I got through it. Oh, I'm going to the next part. Like, there's definitely pieces or areas to this game where I was just like, fuck, I just got to get through this. I just got to get through this and keep trying, keep trying. So I'm sure this happened to me, you know, once or twice, uh, if not multiple times, because there's a lot of cases where this was just a really hard room that, you know, you finally just get it right that one time and you're like, all right, never do that again. Yeah. Yeah. I also love that he goes into the nitty gritty about this. Like, um, his tweet, his eighth tweet, apparently that says you can wall jump two pixels away from the wall. Yeah. And if you notice it, like she's not like Madeline isn't actually touching the wall mm -hmm. when she wall jumps and that, um, he elaborates later on that if you're doing a super wall jump, i.e. a wall jump while dashing upward, this is a more precise and demanding maneuver. So they, uh, let you do it from even further away which he believes is about five pixels which is more than half a tile yeah. so it gives you that kind of like little bit of leeway to make the game a little bit more forgiving even though of course you have all these accessibility options which is like celeste is kind of known for being a difficult platform and having this amazing story but then also offering this really intricate set of accessibility options and now knowing that the game like it helps you even without them mm -hmm. is actually kind of interesting and really refreshing in a way. <laughs> People aren't I that guess. good. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm just like, man, you weren't even that good at the game. It helped you, bitch. <laughs> I'm, I'm barely past like the second fucking section. In that game. You got to play this game. All right, man. Enough I know. Enough. I didn't you already I get really your physical to. copy or something? Yeah. So I got the physical copy. I just never, like, I, I start, I played Momodora more. That's the thing. I got it with Momodora, and I played more Momodora reverently under the moonlight. That's exactly what happened. Such a fool. <laughs> I also, I'm afraid of playing it because I would want to restart to get the best ending where you get to make this, like, really satisfying, super, like, girthy pie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And... I don't want to have to get all those fucking strawberries. Just get a good amount. That's what I did. I got a good enough pie where they were like, this is pretty good. Nice job. And I was like, yeah. thank you. That's enough for me. You're just fucking settling, bitch, Josh boy. Hell You're yeah. You're settling for I'm that settling. pretty good pie. Some of those strawberries that, are ridiculous. Like, I'm not doing that. Thirsty looking pie. That fat ass pie with strawberries on top. Nah, 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 nah. I can watch the YouTube of that and be like, I could have done that. Watch in the end, it's not going to be a fucking pie and somebody's going to like post in a comment or like somebody's just going to hit me up and be like, it's no pie, it's a cake, dumbass, or something like that. 
It don't They're going to get me. Maybe. I know. Uh, so, that's it for our random news stories. Or not random. That's just our main news that's stories. Uh, so, let's hop into news cram. Cram. Cram time. I love that you've also kind of like put in this cram time. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. I don't know. It just okay. it feels right. You know? When you get crammed, I agree. it's cram time. You're like, I'm just warning you beforehand that you're about to be crammed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you need to set this time on your watches because you're about to get it, okay? <laughs> set your watches to cram. It's about to begin. <laughs> uh, News Cram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the hosts of IndiePod and Indie Games Podcast, cramming full of our sorts of indie games news. Uh, we, I don't, oh, we do have two quick news stories for you today before we hop into some new deals and quick steals and just some new stuff. So... Our first quick news stories, uh, story of today, because I can't stop saying stories, apparently, uh, comes by way of GameStop. Fuck, dude. God damn it. GameStop? GameStop got closed. No, 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 no. This is GameSpot. Yes, it is GameSpot. Thank you. Um, comes by way of GameSpot, where it's reported that Devolver Digital is still planning on holding an E3 press conference, but this year, like in the two plus years before, will be entirely online and resemble a Nintendo Direct. Nice. Shocker. I love Devolver. Uh, So good. Yeah. I also really love their Devolver Directs. I just thought it was hilarious that this was news. Well, you know, we just need to confirm. Yep. Still doing it. True. Um, And secondly, GameSpot reports that Limited Run Games is also continuing to host its own entirely online press conference on June 8th. Now on to some new deals and quick steals. Uh, First of all, there are a bunch of awesome indie games that anyone listening can pick up currently free of charge. Those being, and this is a long list of them, so just, you might have to listen closely i guess um you've got uh, shantae half genie hero via the xbox games with gold alto's adventure alto's odyssey forma.8 go uh kingdom rush frontiers for iphone kingdom rush frontiers hd for ipad kingdom rush origins for iphone and kingdom rush origins hd for ipad and marching order on ios and uh, we've got Alto's Adventure, Alto's Odyssey, Kingdom Rush Frontiers, and Kingdom Rush Origins on Android, plus an excessive amount over on GOG. There were so many that I refused to actually <laughs> note them. Sounds about right. Because there's a lot, okay? It was, like I said, excessive. Pretty big um, also, you'll be able to snag some awesome indie games deals over on Steam, including but not limited to Gata Roboto for $4, Grease for $8.49, and Enter the Gungeon for $7.49. There's, of course, more over on Steam, so make sure you check those out. Um, and lastly, over on Nintendo Life, it's reported that WayForward has put its library of games on the Nintendo Switch on sale for 30% off in celebration for its 30-year anniversary. Hooray. Now on to some new stuff. Our first item in new stuff comes by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported that horror adventure game Whispering Willows by Nightlight Interactive is getting a physical release exclusively through Physicality Games, whose website will go live sometime later this month. This totally sounds like a scam. This sounds <laughs> sketchy as all hell. That this fucking publishing, like this website doesn't even exist yet. Yeah. Uh-huh. What? I don't know. Just, I would just gotta believe. 
That sounds like a scam. It sounds like you're about to donate to a Nigerian princess or something, dude. I mean, like he needs help. Some fucked up shit is about to happen, and I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Get them physical copies, I guess. Uh, now over to Polygon, where it's reported that deck-building action game Fight in Tight Spaces by Ground Shatter is coming to PC and consoles sometime in 2020. Did you check out this game? I did not. What do you think? I did not. No? I'm not. It's got... What? What? Well, just because it's you, got cards, you didn't I see look deck at it, building. Huh? You didn't see that it had cards in it, and you were just like, "Boom, game of like, the year, nah. game of the century, I don't game of it. the decade." Yeah, I don't need to look at it. I know it's great. There's too, <laughs> there's too many out there. Didn't even need to look at it. Just cards made it great. Yeah. Okay, uh, now over on Twinfinite. Uh, where it's reported that pinball-esque hack-and-slash creature in the well uh, by Fight School Studios and MWM Interactive is coming to PlayStation 4 on March 31st. That is the last little bit of news cram we have for you. Now it's time to hop in to God Bless the Crowd. This is where the biggest of average Josh boys goes over to all sorts of crowdfunding sites, finds an awesome indie game for us to talk about, and we do just that uh, this week. I take it back. This isn't even an awesome game. <laughs> I'm, uh, this game pisses me off. Uh, this week, we have Self Checkout Unlimited, a 3D mall adventure. Explore a nostalgic shopping mall in this surreal 3D adventure game. This team is currently looking for $5,000 as their goal. At the time of this recording, they have $1,476 with 60 backers and 11 days left to go. To get in on the ground floor and actually get a copy of the game is $3? What? Yeah. See? It's only 3 bucks. Come on, man. Well, I guess that's that's the early bird. If 72 more people do this by the time <laughs> that you guys hop on here, you will have to pay $5 See? for the bronze shipper. That means our 72 listeners, you only got $3? Well, give it to these guys. You'll find no. out what it's like to be in a mall now that you can't go. <laughs> so... How do you feel about this big Josh boy before I tear it apart? <laughs> what, you don't love wandering around in an abandoned mall? This just looks so fucking stupid. <laughs> what is the game here? And also, their fucking trailer doesn't show anything. It's literally just like, this is what a mall looks like. No. This is What? This is the premium mall experience haven't you ever been a kid and been like man wouldn't it be cool if the mall was closed and you get to run around do all kinds of things that's this that's i have thought that but this fucking trailer and kickstarter don't show you any of that instead it's just like this is a commercial for a mall that's that's it that's the pitch it's their mall. Come on down. It doesn't even show you any gameplay. It just shows a bench. I mean, rendered I'm, in game. I'm pretty sure that is the gameplay. I I, I think this is this is a walking simulator. A fucking bench. This is a walking simulator. If you're into that kind of thing, this might be your game. It's a little strange that you're just in an abandoned mall, but they do say it's a surreal 3D adventure game, and you're trying to what was it? You're trying to solve like something in there. Exactly. That's what I mean. You solve a fucking puzzle. Show that. Yeah. Show that part, not just a bench, dude. <laughs> we got to unravel the mystery of your journey before it's time to say goodbye. How is that? What do you mean time to say goodbye? Do you only have one day? Do you get kicked out you in the morning? You die in this There's mall, so dude. There's so many things to unravel here. This, You don't want to pay $3 to find out what's going on? 
And then they have these sketchy ass pictures of screenshots and concepts. It's like, what? This What's is, going on in this mall? Is it having a seizure? This is this is some real stuff, man. You need to know. All right. This game looks so fucking dumb. This game. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just looks so stupid. Sometimes I pick these games because I just know you're gonna have a bad reaction to them, and I love it. <laughs> Cause it's just ah. Uh, I can't even say any more about this game. It's just so stupid. It's like, I like walking simulators, especially when they, like, walking simulators is kind of a derogatory term. I like these kind of, like, new age adventure games. I really do, but I need some kind of story. And I imagine this game does have that. It's just, I guess my biggest issue is that this is the worst way to market your game. There, This is basically like, there's nothing in this game. It's a mall. That's it. <laughs> One of their their goals is want to help contribute. Share your favorite mall memories or a mall photo you really love. Bonus points if it's a local one. All of them will count towards our social goals. We'll be tweeting community contributions contributions throughout the campaign. So draw our attention to your submission with a ping on Twitter. They're literally doing a marketing campaign for you to just send pictures of malls. This is so weird. <laughs> the more I talk about it, though, I'm like, I'm kind of into it. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to give $3. I'll give $3 and find out how walking in an abandoned mall is like. I just, I I could see, I'm, I'm not trying to shame this for what it is. Because I could see how this would be really interesting. And, like, this more nostalgic take is actually kind of interesting because malls aren't really like this anymore. It's just fucking GameStop, Spencer's, and Hot Topic. Like, I get it. it this is kind of a way to experience a time before your time. Because I never got to see malls like this. But just market it appropriately. <laughs> this game, like... I, I don't think it'll, like, meet its goal because they aren't showing anything of the game. They're just like, uh, of course, you said, like, oh, maybe that bench is the game. Maybe just walking around in this mall is the game. But then they also say that, like, there is a puzzle aspect to it. As sunset slowly approaches, navigate between surreal stores to find the exit key. So, like, hey, you got to get out. This seems like, well, it seems like more of like a gone home-esque experience, which if it was that, I would just like anything yeah. to say it's like that. It's trying to go home, not gone home. Just, well, that's what I'm saying. Just, like, literally anything in this game other than just walking around a mall. Dude, if we can get them to their $40,000 stretch goal, you'll they'll put virtual reality in it. How cool is that? Realistic. They, you can have a realistic 3D mall experience. I love it. God damn it. I love it. I hate this. <laughs> so, Big Josh Boy, would you like to say any last words on this mall simulator? It's only $3. <laughs> Perfect way to end that. All right, guys, let's hop in to our random questions of this week. Josh Nichols writes in and says, Fuck, vacation has been busy, and I haven't gotten to listen to the previous episode yet. But I'm going to try tonight slash tomorrow. Thank you, Big Josh Boy. Other Big Josh Boy. This is actually like... Wait a minute. So wait you're, a minute. <laughs> you're the, the biggest of average Josh Boys? He's Big Josh Boy? I don't know. Well, that's super I don't know confusing. how tall he is. I don't know. See, the big thing here is like I think he actually might be the same height as you, roughly. What? There's no way. No one is as small we gotta as hit, I am. We gotta hit Josh Nichols up and ask him how tall he is. Uh, there's no way. I'm a small boy. 
See, I mean, you're an average boy. You've got like average height, but you got that fat donger. So <laughs> I'm part of the long <laughs> dong community. I need to add. I need to like really invade Josh's life and be like, "What you packing? What's your- How many inches you got below the belt? Yeah. Let's pop out that tape measure over where you live. Like, I'll fly out just to see your penis. I don't care. This is not the time Coronavirus to be flying. Coronavirus, be damned. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn. I feel violated. He does say we're the best, though. Thank that you. is very nice of you. Thank you so much, Josh. Uh, he writes in with two questions. One is, what is your favorite thing besides video games? Food. <laughs> For sure, food. I like how he didn't even say it had to be like an entertainment product. For sure. He's just like, For sure. What's your favorite thing? Food and beer. I love it. Dude, especially like in his uh, world right now, when it comes to like vacations, like he's playing a lot of games and stuff and like just chilling, which is super cool. Whenever I and my wife go on vacations, we are like the biggest fucking fatties. All of our vacation planning is like, what can we set up where it's like, where are the cool places to eat? What are like the best bars to go to? What is like a food tour that's going on in the city? Like, I love food. It's so good. Do you take pictures of your food though? Are you full blown? No, 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 no. I'm not. My wife is, but she actually has a food blog that she like, cooks and creates stuff and will also take pictures of shit when she's like out and about i personally don't care about taking pictures of food i just want to stuff it in my face Um, that's really cool i didn't know that yeah she's actually she she has an instagram uh what is it it's called blog appetite um she's got like a good amount of followers i think like a thousand plus or something like that Dude, um, she not shouting out fucking indie pop in this <laughs> I so, don't. I don't know if we. Why have, does she hate us? I don't us? know if we have the same market. <laughs> um, but no, she she does some really cool stuff. Uh, but yeah, I I love food. I feel like she really missed an opportunity to just call it bone apple teeth. Just say bone apple I'm teeth. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Not quite. Um, my favorite things beside video games would be, I don't know, that's kind of hard. It would probably just be, like, TV shows, if I'm being honest, including, like, and that's kind of, like, a broad, like, statement. I mean, statement so is because, video games. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, it's kind of like TV shows, because I love movies, but movies often disappoint with their kind of, like, lack of coverage of certain topics that I really enjoyed. Like, mm. of course, I loved Ready Player One, but they skipped over a large portion I mean, of it with the movie. Yeah. And then if they would have made it into a TV show, it would have been given, like, much more of a thorough treatment. Right. They just don't have enough time in a movie. It's you got to short yeah. something so much. It's like, things obviously have to be put out. Yeah, exactly. And as somebody who's so nitpicky and loves the minutia of things, yeah. the small details, TV shows are kind of my jam, especially anime, dude, because let's be honest, I'm a big hentai fan. Like, I... <laughs> Whoa, that went, that went quick. I didn't expect that jump. <laughs> I'm a big fan service guy, so, uh, of course, anime and TV shows. Got it. Actually, maybe just my favorite thing should be hentai. Like, <laughs> What'd you get out of here? <laughs> Uh, and number two, he says pop or soda. Which one do you say, pop or soda? For sure, soda. Pop is wrong. Okay, I was about to say I'm gonna pop you if you say pop. No dude. way. I in Chic- Did your parents ever do that thing to you where you'd say pop and then they fucking pop you? No, I have no idea what you're saying. Nah, my parents are just abusive. Cool. That's nice to know. Nice. All right. All right. Good to know. <laughs> let's let's move on. Now we already answered Chris Penwell's question. I just called him Chris. Chris, Chris Penwell. <laughs> Good old Chris. Thanks for writing in. <laughs> Let's move on to Jonathan Moore's question. 
founder of Parallax Media. Thanks for writing in. He says, would you rather have the studio crunch to get a game in six months or not crunch and get a game in three years? Which I'm wondering where he's getting these like these factors from. Yeah, like that's... crunch equals six months versus now crunch is three years. But maybe. Which one would you rather choose? Uh, I mean, I'm an asshole if I choose the first, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, crunch just, is kind of this highly debated topic. Whereas, like, if you're forced to do it, if you're forced into these kind of like shitty working conditions, then it's a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. But if you want to work, work. Like, there's, I don't have any problem with that. Like, sure. you shouldn't be forced to. But if you want to be a workaholic, that should absolutely be your priority. Yeah, I mean. It, it it does kind of go with that whole what is the the reasoning behind the crunch like is this something that the studio the actual people involved with are being like no we can rally together and get this done or is this just like someone forcing you and being like well you better work 24 hours a day like then it's obviously not uh as advised or not as encouraged um but I honestly, like, personally, from my standpoint, I love video games. There's so many out that, like, it might suck that that one game that you really want takes longer. But personally, especially as an adult, like, I can wait. I have a lot of things on my plate. I'll get to it when it comes out. If it's hurting people to try and finish this game in that six months, like, I'd rather them take their time. Yeah, I I feel pretty much the same way. If I got to choose, I would rather choose no crunch in three years, especially because I feel like when crunch is implemented, it's like it's often to kind of like hit a deadline and it means that some small things might get overlooked versus if you just take your time. And you kind of, like, smooth out those rough edges, which I feel like a lot of people, like, when they don't crunch, they get to do. That's when you get the best and most quality product. Mm. Um, I wouldn't... Which, I mean, typically crunch happens at, the, like, the end of a dev cycle. It's not the entirety is crunch, typically. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's always an indicator of quality in relation to how long something is in production because there oh, yeah. is, a, there is a, a, a huge benefit in some cases on crunch because crunch can make people be put in kind of a box of like, you have to figure out a way to do this. And sometimes that creates innovative ideas that change different things about a game or about how you make a game that improve the way you do things down the road. So I think there is, you know, people don't talk about it, but there is a benefit to things like crunch because it does push innovation in like the, the agile world from software development. That's a big thing of constantly iterating, constantly being put on those sprints or those small timelines of get something done that you can have at those tiny little milestones just because it's pushing you in a way to think of like how do we build this in a small but fast-paced way so like there's there's some benefits to it but personally like all things considered if i only had two choices i would say like yeah take your time with it yeah and there's also kind of the like another i guess in a sense like quote-unquote like merit um of crunch would be that developers often talk about like when you work on a project for so long, you get tunnel vision and you don't get to see what's wrong with it. For sure. 
And that's why they do like play testing is so that they can see they can find out what's wrong with it through somebody else's eyes. And I feel like mm-hmm. crunch in a sense just forces them to make a decision and like make a decision of what feels best and go with it right. instead of like possibly overlooking that like or, or possibly like overanalyzing something, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, they're. There are both merits and, like, issues with both styles, I guess. Yeah. Because, like, a game like The Last Guardian had been developed for, I believe, like, in development for, like, 10 years. Yeah. it all And that came out to lukewarm critical reception. And it all depends because you could have the same kind of concept, but you just need to push yourself in, like... Like, you can do that same kind of idea of having the playtesting and having it in, done in iterations without needing the crunch. You just have to set up, like very specific milestones understand you know what it is you're going to complete at each and just be better at like managing the project that being said there's always things that come up that will kind of throw you for a loop but having those specific times and having maybe small crunch windows in between those milestones might not be as bad because if you crunch for like you know a couple of days or a week like that's not as bad if you consider doing that you know maybe once every three months six months as opposed to for six months a full crunch of like you just being stuck in that like you're gonna burn out like super hard there are times where crunch is an okay thing where people like to do that where they're like very passionate about something and they like they want to spend you know that extra couple of days of you know putting a lot more time into it because they're like i have this cool idea i'm on a roll i want to keep going with it yeah, yeah. In a way, like um, indie game, the movie actually kind of documented the crunch of Team Meat. How they were like right. Tommy was constantly Tommy and Eddie, Ed were constantly like Edmund were constantly working on Super Meat Boy to try to get it out, like during a certain time frame. Right. And like that game turned out great, but of course, it also like could just as well might not have like but i think we both agree that like nitpicks aside and like hypothetical scenarios no crunch and get it in three years is kind of like the ideal scenario i guess (laughs) yes because then like ideally nobody should have to work that much like you shouldn't have to work that much but if you want to of course you can um let's move on to our last question written in by chase hopkins frequent writer thanks so much for writing in he says Every breathing thing on Earth is the same size, no weapons. What is the ultimate apex predator? So I asked him for clarification, just so we know. Every breathing thing on Earth is the size of a black bear. Hmm. Who would win? An ant. Okay, that's what I initially thought too, but we don't necessarily know if size scales, mm. like strength scales with size. So they say ants are 10 times stronger. Yeah. Like they're they're like... What is it? Ten times as strong as it? They can lift ten times their, their body, body weight. weight, and they're also super fast for their size. Yeah, so I feel like in my head, like he, I, we had this conversation in the break room at work. So like somebody asked the same thing, but he said that like it might not necessarily scale. But I feel like an ant would be mm. because if it's like if they're small and it's ten times the like they can lift ten times their weight. You also, I guess, have to wonder about like the effect that gravity has on it because the gravity has like less of a pull on smaller objects Mm -hmm. that's why people say that like bugs can jump so high Hmm. it's because they're so small and gravity affects them less i feel like that's actually not true i have no bug thing i've never heard that but i mean maybe but i do know that gravity does affect smaller objects less so okay 
I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. I would still go with an ant just because I want to believe that it just becomes 10 times stronger than a black bear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. I do definitely like subscribe to the thing, the same ideas that an ant would be like, they would be the biggest powerhouse. I feel like they'd be the the apex predator. Mm. Um, I think like alligators or crocodiles would also be pretty like frightening. And they get that fucking death roll, dude. Yeah. Um, So I do have to ask, since we're both talking about like this ant thing, like, do you think that the kind of like the the colony in the hive mind? would actually kind of like hurt the ants being the apex predators or do you think that that would like do you think that that would hinder or help them that's a weird question um hmm i mean why would it why do you think it would hinder them though like well i'm just i'm just asking mm. like i i don't necessarily think it might hinder them um other than the fact that like I don't know. Typically, like, uh, there are certain ants that are kind of just pawns that go out to, like, gather things for the queen. Uh So, like, maybe they would just be kind of like, I don't know. They would. You're saying because now that they're so strong, they could kind of fend for themselves and just break away from the actual hive. They don't really need them. They're not, like, just controlled, so to speak. Yeah, either that or, like, more of them might be sacrificed, which would technically not make them an apex predator because they would be, like, sacrificed to fight so many other, like, things. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. This is an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, he did have to specify no weapons because one of our coworkers immediately was, like, a human because they have opposable thumbs. And we're, like, that doesn't matter when you don't have weapons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, humans would get fucked. Like... We uh we would have nothing. <laughs> yeah, we would absolutely be done because our our biggest strength is our intelligence. But if you can't have weapons, intelligence kind of doesn't matter. Like, I mean, of course you can set up scenarios where it would help you, but then like a trap would still be considered a weapon in a sense. So mm-hmm. definitely not a human. We'd just be fucking. We'd be lambs for the slaughter, dude. They just eat us. Yeah. We'd be their cattle. We'd be the bugs now. Uh, that's it for this episode. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys liked it, make sure you chat with us outside the show. Um, you can follow the podcast at IndiePod on Twitter. You can follow me at Hyde Legion. You can follow the biggest ravage Josh boys over on Twitter uh, at the underscore George 90. Make sure you guys hit us up there. Uh, constantly talking about indie games, constantly talking about stupid shit. Super fun. Um, you guys can write in your questions when we do our question threads on Mondays. Um, I try to make sure that I constantly remind people, but I keep forgetting. So I actually (laughs) set up an alarm. I set up a reminder for me to remind other people. Yeah. That you can send in questions. Because I keep forgetting to do it on Wednesday. so <laughs> It's all good. We, we still got some <laughs> questions, so it's still working. Yeah, I'm I'm so thankful for the people who constantly write in. For sure. Like, it's so nice that they take the time to just think of anything and write it in, even if it's weird and, like, kind of absurd. Like, Chase always writes something in that's so weird and interesting that it makes for good content. Fucking so Chase. thanks, everybody, for writing in. Uh, that's it for this episode. And we will see you guys next week. Bye, fam. Fuck! I screwed I it up it again. again. I love it. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the indie knots or pod knots. I'm just gonna go kill myself. Mm. I'm gonna go get the coronavirus and try to die. Mm.